0: smallbusinessdigest.net Welcome to the show today. What's happening is whatever you host uh fears, the guest hasn't appeared. But while uh we're waiting for our ghost ghost guest to appear, he's a ghost right now. Um I, I want to uh play this uh interview which I did. Our next guest is John Sullivan, who's a, a well-known Hollywood director and producer. And uh, he has a new, new uh, uh, movie he wants to talk about, and uh, uh, I certainly am looking forward to talking uh, with him. John, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on, Don. No. Uh, John, we always ask our guests first to tell them, tell them a little bit about themselves personally and with you a little bit of some of the movies they might have seen uh, that you, you you've been involved with.
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, You know, folks would know uh, the movies I've worked on uh, with Expelled, uh, with Ben Stein. Uh, I worked on the movie, uh, directed the movie 2016 uh, with Dinesh D'Souza. And then this last summer we had, um, with Dinesh, we also had America, uh, Imagine the World Without Her, that came out this summer, and it's coming out on DVD uh, next Tuesday.
0: What's it all about?
1: Well, you know we took a step back and looked at America where we're at right now because, you know, it, it seems that America's kind of at a crossroads. It has a decision to make of where it's going to go and what its place in the world is going to be. And we could make this step and it's going to be intentional. Are we going to make a step forward or are we going to take a step in decline? And unfortunately, we see that step in decline happening. And it's happening, we thought, for an unusual reason um, because a lot of Americans, um, particularly younger Americans, don't feel proud of America. They feel, and recently there was a an interview with a bunch of college students, and uh, they asked, you know, what's the problem, America or ISIS? And actually more students sided with the fact that America is the problem, not ISIS um, in that situation. So that's how far off we've fallen in this way. And we wanted to kind of take head on a number of the critiques uh, that happen with people uh, about America. America's not been perfect, but you know what? We've provided a great place for people to live, the rule of law, self-determination, free market system. And uh, we kind of examine that uh, throughout the movie.
0: Okay. Well, tell me, um, what have we forgotten, and uh, why do you think that uh, that's happening?
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, the the reason why it's happened, what we've forgotten is really the contribution America has made to the world um, in the sense, and really with this what we're talking about is the fact that America was the first country to kind of scratch its way out of darkness um you know it's the first to have really the rule of law and self-determination uh protecting individual liberties over monarchies or special interests uh in that way and many people forget that um you know this country is built not on a conquest ethic of you know i take your stuff or you take mine um and we've got to go to war over it but rather a cooperative free market system you know if i want to go buy a sandwich. I can buy a sandwich at many different locations. I'm not forced to buying a sandwich from one location. So in this system, we've really forgotten this, and it's been, a, um, I think, an intentional reason why that's happened, particularly through uh, a book called The People's History of the United States, written by a professor named Howard Zinn. Um, and this has been the most influential history book uh, of the last 40 years, and has really rewritten our history. And so that's what we kind of take on in the movie.
0: Uh, you, you say you took it on. Is it because uh, the uh, the media in general is is not doing that? Um, why did you do it?
1: Yeah, we we did this because we we saw this kind of happening, particularly with younger people as they kind of come up and look at America. It's not the same. Um, I'm a Gen X person. I was born in the '60s, uh, the late '60s, early '70s. Um, and so what we're seeing now with younger and younger kids is they're forgetting the freedoms we have. We have mounting debt that's happening um, along that way. And really the pride in America um, that that we've had for so long is starting to diminish. And there's not a reason for it to diminish. You know, we're still uh, an active, uh, the world superpower. We're, we're moral people. Um, we're charitable people. And those are the things that we should celebrate and cause us to come together rather than the things that are dividing us right now.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. This this program is about small business. And uh, in the last, uh, last five years, the number of small businesses being formed has declined each year. And it seems like it's a decline in optimism. And the interesting fact is that now a majority of small businesses are started by immigrants or first generation. Uh, that, to me, was a very... Uh, a telling uh, statistic that I've been following, and it's uh, one of the reasons why you're on this program, uh, mm-hmm. because I th- I thought your your um, uh, your movie, which I found fascinating, um, uh, kind of addressed some of those issues. It seems we've lost our optimism. Do uh, you see that happening?
1: Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I grew up uh, during the Reagan generation, and you know, right before then, we had lost our optimism under I think under Carter. You know, we were, as famously said, we were in a malaise. I think we're kind of in that same situation today. You know, small business is the lifeblood blood of America because as more small businesses grow, um, they eventually or ha- occur, they actually grow into medium-sized and then larger-scale businesses. This has been the engine. Um, for America's growth. And, you know, we're, we're unfortunately, as you said, we're seeing that stagnate. Um, and there's no real reason for it right now. That shouldn't be happening. Um, we should be in a position where, you know, small businesses are being founded and growing in and, and, and that in and that way. So we kind of take that on. And we also kind of really show people, you know, how is wealth created? You know, I, I mentioned earlier, but, I mean, it, it used to be under this conquest ethic. You had something I wanted, whether it be oil, oil, uh, uh, you know, uh, farm farmland. You want to find, I would just go in and take it. You know, that was kind of the modus operandi. Where in America we really created, you know, wealth through cooperative systems in the free market, and I think we're starting to kind of lose that. We're seeing government intrude upon things. We're seeing people not really understanding how free markets work. We're seeing actually crony capitalism um, happening to where the government's giving favoritism to certain companies, and this is not a healthy environment for an economy to grow into, along with being straddled with the debt we're at. So we take, you know, it's broad, but we take all these issues on, and we try to succinctly answer kind of each one in sequence.
0: Well, you, you did, I thought you did a fabulous job. That's why you're on this program. So um, why do you – what can uh, the ordinary business owners, and 59% of our listeners are, are business owners, what can they do to, to, to change this? In
1: one, your one of the, Yeah, I think one of the easiest things and the first things they can do, you know, this was – we had a, a guy who owned a series of Dairy Queen franchises um, in the Midwest, and he actually took all of his employees um, that were mostly high school and college-age students, and he took them to the movie and had a discussion with them. I thought this was really interesting because he basically told us, look at you guys have given me the tool to come in and start the discussion to address how is wealth created, where's where have we come as a society, why have we been different, what has created the opportunity here versus – you know, other countries. And, you know, that's one way to look at is I think people can actually sit down with their employees and uh, look at how they, um, you know, how does does America work? Uh, Because a lot of people don't get this in school. It's not taught in high school. It's, you know, in a lot of – college programs it's not taught anymore um, and this is an opportunity because a lot of people you know, who are employees do not understand how a small business operates you know, and why it has to operate under a profit motive um, why it can't just give away or have minimum wage um, increases to $25 per person things of this nature so I think it, it's an opportunity for people to watch the film actually with their employees sit down or give it to them to go home and watch and have a discussion around it
0: well, um, well that's a great start um what 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 made you what made you and how did you what made you do the fi- uh film and how did you uh, generate the uh, the money to to uh create such a film and uh, uh i just finished reading a book when hollywood was right and now uh, the tone of the book was that hollywood is left now you uh, how did you do it
1: Yeah, so, you know, we operate in a very crowded field um, in in Hollywood here, but what we've been able to do is kind of uh, stake out a niche market. You know, the show's focused on small businesses. We are kind of a small to medium-sized business um, in this uh, and what we do. You know, as a filmmaker, about every uh, 12 months to 18 months, I start a new small business because every film's its own LLC operation. So, you know, I'm a small business owner myself. And in this, what what we did is we're able to, um, you know, raise money through individual investors uh, for this, which gives us the creative control and also the the marketing uh, dollars to get the movies out. This is where we're very different from other filmmakers in the sense that most filmmakers try to make a movie and it's just kind of their story of what they want to do. We actually see a market that we're trying to serve. Um, and bring information that we don't think is being told kind of through the mainstream media. So this creates opportunity for us. We're able to capitalize that on the creative stuff we do. And then also we have the marketing funds to make sure that people know about the movie and get it out there. So, you know, we've kind of looked at Hollywood. We've examined it. I've studied it for, you know, 12 years. I've worked in it for 10. And uh, really looked at what are the opportunities for us um, and how can we establish something of a brand and do it differently. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, how did you get to Hollywood?
1: Uh, I usually take I-5 uh to the 101. Just <laughs> kidding. um the, uh, what, um what, we need oh, a I little, little was,
0: levity in this. We need a little <laughs> le- levity in this program.
1: <laughs> yeah, the um But for me, I kind of came through a a roundabout way. I wasn't really looking to be in the movie business. I had worked in entertainment earlier in my life, actually in the music business, and had left that. Um, You know, I was actually on my way. I thought I was going to do a Ph.D. in philosophy um, uh, over at Oxford, and I got tapped to do the movie Expelled with Ben Stein. And uh, that was kind of my launch into the business. But what I did before we launched that film was I really sat down and studied it. I wanted to know it as a business um, before we kind of get on the creative. I think so many people just come into the creative side of it and say, hey, I want to do the show part of it, but they forget that it's show business and forgot about the business side of it. So I focused on the business and then went to the show side. So I kind of reverse engineered what we would need to do Um, in that situation, and, uh, you know, looking at it from a marketing background, which I had, from a marketing and advertising background, versus just straight creative content, which is where most people come from. So my kind of, uh, you know, move into the entertainment business was a roundabout way. It wasn't kind of something I was looking to do at the time. kind of more kind of fell into my lap, and, uh, you know, I just see the opportunity and went for it. Well, uh, isn't
0: that what every uh, successful small business uh, does?
1: Yeah, that's what we've got to do. You know, you've got to take the opportunities. I was just speaking to a bunch of college students last night, and I was asked the question of, like, how do I make it? And I said, you know, if you're not willing to work hard and put in 15 hours a day, um, for months or maybe years on an end, I wouldn't even bother showing up. I mean, go look for just a job. But as a small business owner, you know, if if you're not doing it, it probably isn't getting done or, you know, in that sense, you're responsible for it and you, and you become responsible for people. Um, you know, we have a, you know, at the height of when we're doing this, you know, we, we're on set with probably close to 200 to 300 people Um, that you're managing that through, and then we have a marketing staff of about 14 uh, at our height of when we're doing everything, when the movie's coming out in theaters. So, you know, we kind of uh, swell and kind of uh, shrink as, as need comes around, and it's kind of managing that along with creating all the content and everything you're doing on the movie side of it, but... We also work on the distribution very closely. So it it is, as a small business owner, you've got to be looking at every facet of your business versus just kind of being an employee at a larger corporation.
0: We have our next guest appearing. Uh, Gary Cardone of Payscat talks about debt collection and a lot more. Gary, are you on the on the phone?
2: Actually, this is Cleveland Brown with PayScout.
0: Okay, they ca- they told me Gary C- Cardone was going to uh, be on, but uh, Cleveland, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much, I- and I am the CEO
0: of PayScout. Thanks for having me, Don. Well, um, uh, t- today, tonight has been a program of uh, uh, missed opportunities, and I just missed one too. Uh, uh in the in the introduction but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh welcome to the show and we'll move uh forward. Um we always ask our guests first to tell a little bit about themselves personally before we get into anything else. So uh, Cleveland tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, well, I I have been a part of the payments industry since uh since 2000. And uh, I started on the software side of payments with public institutions, K through 12. And, you know, at the time, we were one of the first to adopt e-commerce solutions to education. And the other side of, of e-commerce software, you know, it's payment. And, and over time, I became enamored by the payments industry and really had the foresight to start looking at payments through a global lens. So, you know, starting in 2008, I began working extensively overseas to establish e-commerce solutions for businesses in the U.S. to reach a global audience. And then in 2011, I co-founded PayScout Inc., and uh, we were able to successfully establish a global footprint in Europe, Australia, U.S. territories, emerging economies such as China and Brazil, and even spanning to the Caribbean in Latin America. So, you know, in really navigating and learning the compliance rules that govern other other nations, it was an easy transition uh for me to assist small businesses and entrepreneurs in, you know, so-called compliance uh heavy industries um such that the, you know, the compliance issues that govern uh companies like collection agencies were is really like learning the ABCs compared to uh, working in Brazil where it's like learning calculus. So, that's really how you know myself you know I was able to uh establish myself as a thought leader in the payments industry
0: well uh, we'll get in we'll get into it now um, uh, many companies fail because they fail to uh co- collect debts owed or to manage their uh accounts receivable et etc. Um, and that's, I think, part of the reason why you're on this program today. Um, I'm going to throw the floor open and ask you the, the general question. What does PayScout do? But more importantly, how do how the, the companies like yours help small businesses?
2: Well, PayScout is what's called a global merchant service provider. And basically what we specialize in is taking uh, a a business, uh, a small business, and giving them a direct connection to a financial institution to process an electronic transaction. And really what we do is not only do we do that domestically, we actually open up the global landscape uh, uh, for small businesses to reach uh, uh, consumers abroad.
0: You You help them reach consumers. But do you also help them uh, obtain payments once those consumers um, uh, pay? Let's say in Brazil, etc. Absolutely, absolutely. We provide uh,
2: uh, each small business with a di- direct connection to a financial institution in that consumer's market to process that electric tra- electronic transaction.
0: Well, a small what type of small business would really be in need of a service like yours?
2: so really it it's it's e-commerce so any small business uh where you're in a, where you have a product or service uh uh that that uh, you sell uh via the e-commerce model uh, we what payscout can do is help you extend that product and service beyond uh US consumers and 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 really that's what we do so any small business whether whether you know it's It's uh, a subscription service to something. Whether they're selling uh, unique items, uh, and and as long as they can facilitate that transaction through the through an e-commerce model, then we can uh, expand their consumer base.
0: Well, um, uh, a figure I saw, which may be right or wrong, said that 13% of all small businesses in the United States collect uh, at least 10 transactions um from overseas in, in any given period uh is this something uh which surprised me quite frankly i didn't think it would be that high or is is that figure uh, are my figures off uh, off off base
2: no your figures are are fairly accurate and uh, that number would actually be increased um if small businesses uh, had direct connections to financial institutions because uh, a lot of those transactions um, lose their conversion uh, when trying to be uh, when the process is attempted to uh, collect from a U.S. bank and not that consumer's bank from abroad. So it actually should be higher.
0: Okay, but um, when you say that, are you actually eliminating fees that if we if the uh, small business owner went through a, a local bank or even a national bank here in the states?
2: Absolutely. So, uh right now what a small business can do is they can go to a, <clears throat> a local bank or they can use a service like PayPal. And what happens in that particular scenario, uh you have uh, uh, uh what's called a middle person um that that sits in the middle of that transaction. So that middleman charges a fee to 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 make that transaction happen. And that that the cost of that transaction goes up to goes up for that small business. So what the first thing we want to do is eliminate the extra fees that middlemen, um, whether it be a national bank or or a company like PayPal, um, where where we can eliminate those particular costs and bring in better <coughs> excuse me better conversions uh, by giving a direct connection to that financial institution in that particular uh, economy in that particular country.
0: Well, well uh, we both know that uh, uh, translating foreign currency into U.S. currency uh, always entails a cost. But but does, it, uh, does it something like a company uh, reduce the cost? The uh, man- somehow manage? Uh, do you act uh, for the small business so they get the best rate?
2: Yes, exactly. So it's always you're you're always going to get the best rate if you're able to. Uh, 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 successfully uh have that transaction happen with the particular issuing bank um in in that particular currency. So we represent that trans- transaction on behalf of the small business directly to the financial institution. So we're able to eliminate the uh the extra fees that happen um when you when when small businesses are using uh US banks or, or like I said companies like PayPal. Uh
0: I'll I'll be down like a pitch man for you but uh, uh what i what i particularly liked and asked uh particularly asked you to be on the program uh was because uh, uh, we've had several uh emails and uh, uh requests sent in about this whole point um that uh, small businesses are encouraged to go over uh, difficulties, and one of the most important was uh, collecting the money. But let me uh, let me ask you: a small business uh, provides a uh, product overseas, and sometimes they do it by bill of lading and all that. Do you get involved in those types of uh, transactions?
2: No, we're we're we were we're only involved in the e-commerce uh, portion of the transaction. So if that if that transaction is is collected. Through an e-commerce model, that's where PayScout is involved.
0: So, uh, so you don't get into uh, 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 transhi- trans, trans-, trans- et etc. But let me ask you the other question: the the person um, in Brazil, we'll use Brazil as an example, says, "I don't like the product. I want to charge back, uh, like, like what happens in the United States. Someone doesn't like the product." Uh, and they want to charge back. Do you handle that as well?
2: Yes, we do handle the uh, the chargeback mechanisms uh, uh, in each country. And in some countries are governed differently. So in Brazil, as an example, yes, we would handle the the chargeback for that for that consumer.
0: Well, it, it, little, let's go more general. Are you seeing <clears throat> a? Um, are you seeing an uptick in small businesses going overseas and selling overseas via e-commerce?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, what factors do you think are uh, 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 um, driving this increase? Um,
2: well, I, I think w- one of the factors uh, is the fact that companies like ours uh, are are working to make that transaction. Uh, much easier uh much more affordable uh for uh, you know for small businesses uh, the logistics of shipping you know which you brought up earlier uh it, you know whether that be u p s and, and the different shipment models in in uh in other countries uh, they're very efficient so you know combining uh, a, a payment collection solution that is affordable and uh, the logistics that are easier to navigate through shipping it makes it much easier for small business uh to to enter that into the global marketplace
0: well uh, you, uh, you, it seems to me that you have a pretty good pulse on what's happening uh, uh in, in this whole area um what are some of the uh um, a, a new customer wants to come to you um what are some of the questions you ask them and what are, and uh, how do you go about setting uh, up the program? So
2: you know, one of the first things that we do uh, is we make sure that uh, we understand that customer's business model, um, and we have a discussion in regards to that. Uh, and once we hit, once we understand their business model, uh, we look at where are the easiest areas uh, of entry in terms of other countries. Uh, and we can definitely consult a business on that. A a, a small business uh, may want to uh, uh, venture into China. Well, it wouldn't it be much easier to venture uh, into Europe for their particular product or service. So that's the first thing that we'll do is is we'll consult and let them know, here are the areas that are available, and here's here's where we believe your product um, uh, would have the most success. And um, after we have that in place, and, and we, we come to that conclusion, then we look at the compliance issues um, that govern that particular uh, country or, or region in which in which they want to sell. So we basically will give them a compliance list. There there will be certain things that they will have to do. We'll help them do those uh, in terms of, of setting up the right uh, working business models um, that adhere to the compliance rules of those countries, and then uh, we provide that direct connection to a financial institution in that particular region and uh, we have the software uh, um, and the payment gateway to facilitate that transaction that integrates right into their website. So uh, uh, you that's pretty much the process.
0: Well, you, you keep, uh, you've said several times compliance issues. Are there stricter compliance issues, say, in Europe than there are here in the United States?
2: Uh, it depends on what you are, uh, your product or service, uh, I would say Europe is very similar uh, to the United States. Uh, to give you an example, in order to, uh, into, to sell to a, concern, a consumer in Europe uh, and have that direct connection to a financial institution, you need to have a, a European entity in place. And uh, we can walk that small business through uh, the formulation of that European entity. To you know, give you an example, it takes one to two days in Europe uh, to do. Uh yeah. however if you're going into Brazil there's there there's a different set of of compliance issues that are much harder to navigate through uh and what we do is we represent that merchant in those regions where the compliance issues are 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 very very difficult and uh we're able to make it simple for them
0: Well uh, you say difficult do they require money up front what are some of the things that they uh, that, that make it different from from uh uh the United States. So if you
2: if you take let, let's start with Europe since you brought up Europe, the, the, an easier one. Um uh, to to basically start in Europe, it it's 100 to 200 um, that you that a small business would pay to have their European entity put in place. And that's the only uh upfront uh funds that would be required uh for that small business to sell to all of Europe, not just, you know, one country. Uh if you're looking at uh, Brazil, it's a little bit of a different model. We actually represent the merchant; they do not have to set up an entity because we have an entity in place already to represent that particular uh, particular business, and the setup costs are zero. Even though the compliance um, it, it, it's much more rigid, however, you know we've we've taken you know the last couple of years to navigate through all the compliance issues, such that uh, American businesses will not have any issues collecting payments
0: if i'm hearing you correctly and uh, i i the reason i love doing this program is i learned so much from experts like yourself uh, uh let's say i had a software package that i uh which doesn't require it just requires a, a downloading um in order to to collect in brazil if i wanted to sell that product uh, i'd have to establish some sort of uh, um uh relationship and and what you do is take all of that bother out of out of my hands and uh, uh all I have to do is uh, uh give them the proper code to download. Am I hearing that correctly?
2: That that's absolutely correct. We'll represent that transaction for the for for the business. That is correct.
0: So, um, well, we'll, we'll around. Is the rest of the uh the rest of the South America, like Argentina, um, um, also the, in the same way. Or and you provide that, or, am I, or Are there other rules that have to go into effect? All right.
2: the, the, the rules in South America are generally the same. So in, in Argentina, it would be the same mechanism. We would represent that transaction on behalf of the merchant. So you know, mm-hmm. when we really look at the areas that, especially emerging economies um or you know in some instances closed economies um it's it's always it's in the best interest um of the small business to allow a company like Pay Scout to represent that transaction for them where you take um easier economies to navigate through um as you mentioned earlier Europe where we they can simply establish uh an entity for a few hundred dollars and then they're off and running so mm-hmm. So the answer to your question is 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 absolutely. Uh, I was uh, same in Argentina.
0: I was n- nodding my head, uh, clearing my throat on it. But let, let's go up to the to the other great uh, emerging uh, continent, Africa. Do you offer in Africa? We currently do not
2: offer in Africa.
1: Do you have plans to? Uh,
2: yes, we do have plans, uh, and uh, it's really once again taking the time to understand uh the compliance rules and navigating through uh the, you know there's a lot of issues in Africa when it comes to uh to fraud and things of those nature so uh and we're looking at navigating through that but uh, currently we do not offer uh, uh anything in Africa
0: Well um I, I read a uh, story recently that uh, uh that in some countries in Africa um uh, mobile phones have become the de facto pay um uh Pay a um, uh, vehicle uh, for many uh, Af- uh, for many Africans in several countries. Um, having said all that, what do you charge? Do you charge per uh, transaction? Do you charge? How do you charge? And um, I'll leave it at that. How, how do yeah. you get paid?
2: Sure, Every, everything is is done on a per transaction uh, basis. So basically, utilizing the uh, uh pay scout payment gateway uh that's how that's how uh pay scout earns earns its living uh by by the the use of our connection um to these uh to these other economies and consumers
0: well um uh are you also available here in the United States
2: yes we are um you know one of our uh in terms of understanding as i said earlier understanding the compliance issues um, that govern, you know, emerging economies. We also work with, you know, the businesses that have compliance issues in the United States. And, um, uh, we absolutely represent transactions for small businesses that are, that are looking to reach, uh, consumers in the U S as well.
0: Um, Oh, well, uh, what companies have compliance in, uh, issues here in the United States? That's a very interesting point. Uh, can you give us an example of one
2: uh, i could collection agencies that's a great example
0: huh they they have problems
2: yeah, so um, collection agencies well, i think we all understand the the reputation uh collection agencies have uh in terms of consumer reputation and legislative reputation card association reputation, and you know they're governed by what's called the f d c p a which is the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. And any time that you have a, a layer of compliance um on your business on your business model, um, you become, you know, a higher risk to uh financial institutions. So absolutely
0: uh. Uh, Cleveland, you've been extremely um uh, we I see our next guest has uh, come online. But Cleveland you, uh, this has been an extremely illuminating Out. uh Uh, actually uh, almost 25 minutes. Um, If people want to uh, talk to you or your company, how do they?
2: Yeah, they can simply reach us um, by simply uh, going to our our website, which is www.payscout.com, and that's www.payscout.com, and uh, we'd be happy to answer uh, any questions uh, that businesses may have.
0: Well, you certainly piqued my interest, and if I ever went into the e-commerce side, I, I I think you'd be the first call I'd make.
2: Awesome. Well, I appreciate that, Don. Thank you. Well, Definitely.
0: Please come back again.
2: All right. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Bye now. Bye bye. Our next guest is Elon Elon Katz. He he's a CEO who combines business. Businesses to Create a curse Healthcare Model.
3: Uh, Elon, Hi. Welcome,
0: welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Hi, how are you? Nice, well, to, uh, nice to meet you. Well,
0: for, Elon, um, we always ask our guests to first tell a little bit about themselves personally. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Sure, I'm um guess um uh, 40 40 years old, uh, a father of two, married a father of two and a uh, pharmacist by trade. I uh been a pharmacist since 1997 and uh opened my uh first pharmacy in 2000. Um and um since then I've expanded the uh, pharmacy model and I have a small chain of pharmacies throughout uh, New York, New York City and um as well as expanded into the Florida market with um uh, long term care pharmacies. Oh. Um <clears throat> a rec- sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no keep going.
3: Hey recently so a couple of years ago I uh, um uh, started uh, seeing a lot of the urgent care um centers popping up in the uh, in New York uh, metropolitan area and um, took a notice and uh, started starting the business and uh, realized that that's the trend in the market now. It's the, the whole, what we call retail medicine. And uh, it, it was very similar to what I'm doing now. You know, what I've been doing for all these years is a retail pharmacy. Um, looked at the convenience of it, uh, saw that it's uh, sort of on a walking basis, and again, it reminded me a lot of what I know. And I decided um, to... You know, studied further and partnered up with uh, a few emergency room physicians who are, I have two partners now and we have developed Cure um, urgent Care um, and that's where we are now we are, actually have two locations now and we're opening uh, our third in um, May of this year
0: Oh, uh, and when you say uh, are these pharmacy urgent care uh, facilities the same we We see it popping up all over the place, and what makes your model you call it a cocierage model what what makes it different
3: right well so- Starting with the way uh, the, the way it looks, we, we've uh, high. It looks like almost a, a uh, waiting, you know, sort of uh, a room in a, in a hotel. In other words, uh, a lobby of a hotel. We we really spent a lot of time and energy and uh, used you know designers to uh, give a nice vibe to the place. Not so you're not really walking into a medical facility. It almost looks like a like I said a, a hotel. Um, we also decided that. Uh, people especially in New York and everywhere time is important and um in in, out in one of our locations in Huntington uh we have put a quick rx what uh, pharmacy in the same um in the same uh, building uh most people we notice walk out uh with a prescription and if they're waiting for some time in the uh, doctor's office or urgent care now have to go to a pharmacy and wait again um, we, we thought it works uh, well hand in hand. So our models before the, pa- the, the customer or patient walks out, their prescription is already being uh, it's already being filled at the pharmacy. We already sent over their insurance information and and all that. It's being prepared. They wait another maybe couple of minutes and they walk out. And people seem to to love that.
0: Well, well, it seems so because uh, uh, obviously uh, um, medicine. Is- Healthcare is changing in America, Um, and uh, uh, we seem to be communicating in some place, sometimes, uh, everything. I had to wait a considerable time yesterday for my pills to be refilled. But um, how do you make You're you're a small business? Uh, uh, The big chains like Will and CVS are all doing this. What makes your, your their uh uh efforts different from theirs
3: right i think i think the the chains are uh first of all the chains are what they call a they have the minute clinic and or what have you are not real urgent cares um uh, pr- pretty much you're you're not you're not seen by a emergency room physician or a uh, uh family practice doctor most of the 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 staff there is is a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner yet can they can they you know write you a prescription for an antibiotic or a cream? Absolutely, they, you know they don't have a, a full what I call full service urgent care with the X-ray on site, a laboratory on site, and uh, um, they can't they're not capable of doing uh, any suturing or, or like I said any fracture uh, fracture repair. Um, the other, the other thing that what I think, if if you're not feeling well or if you have um, any uh, cut or, or or anything else, you don't really want to walk through a pharmacy, and walk through aisles of of shampoo and and groceries to get to the um, uh, pharmacy department and the uh, clinic. Uh, our model is completely the opposite. Uh, the clinic is the uh, focus of of uh, where we are. The pharmacy is usually about three to four hundred square feet. And it's sort of on the side, so the focus is still the clinic, and you don't you don't you don't have to walk through aisles of uh, of goods. Uh, oh, we feel sure. that uh, it just uh, it, it, like I said, it's just better for, in our in our view.
0: So if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is the the clinic is there, but and the uh, the drugstore is is the adjunct rather than the way it is in CVS where it's the drugstore, and that, then the adjunct is, is the clinic or whatever it is. Am I hearing you correctly?
3: That's correct, yeah. I mean, they, they, I don't think that they're supplementing, you know, they, they gave a couple of, you know, maybe 100 or 200 square feet. Um, all they want really is traffic in their stores. Uh, yeah, well, they get prescriptions from it, of course, and they want just uh, customers walking in and buying. But uh, we have completely the opposite. That's correct. Our focus is the urgent care with the pharmacy on the side, again, we feel that most people are walking through an urgent care don't want to be bothered walking through a big, large you know ten or fifteen thousand square foot store with with a lot of people shopping for anywhere from you know groceries to shampoo uh, they want to go in, they want to go into a nice place, a nice waiting area, um sit down, you know speak to a physician and then and, and then leave
0: well evidently you're being successful at it if you're op- opening another store under um, location. Um yes. What what do people what do your patients say about what uh, this um your efforts?
3: Um people seem to love uh first of all they love our urgent care. So uh we're you know we're getting great reviews and from anywhere, it's the nicest, uh, most beautiful place. To the doctors, to to you know, we give them, we have all, uh, espresso, and uh, uh, we give them tea, and, and 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 you know, pretzels, and kids, can you know, candy, and there's a toy section. So they just love, you know, they love the the experience. But the the pharmacy aspect is well, there. There aren't really any real urgent cares with pharmacies in them. Not in New York. They seem to love that. Um, again, time. Is important to anybody and definitely for people in New York so again they walk in they walk out and they, they get their prescriptions 90 I would say 90 95% of people walk out with a prescription and I would probably guess 85 to 90 use the pharmacy that's on site
0: well the, uh, how do you charge I mean do you take uh, uh, uh Medicare medical plans and how do you charge
3: for the uh, urgent care. Yeah, so we yes. we we are, we accept all almost 95% of all insurances uh, out there uh, all between uh Medicare and um uh, any any of the uh, HMOs or PPOs that are out there, Blue Cross United, um Cigna, all them. And we have just recently finally contracted with several of the uh, Medicaid um HMOs. Um, we've had some trouble with them in the past. They they did not recognize urgent care, and uh, they seem to be, um, uh, I guess, uh, they're, as usually, you know, as usual, Medicaid's delayed a little bit. They seem to be uh, jumping on board, understanding the the cost savings uh, to them. So we just recently got our first three contracts from uh, for some Medicaid HMOs. So pretty much we're, we're trying to service um, um, everybody.
0: Well, I can see that. Um- I I guess uh, the single biggest complaint people have uh, um have said we know a little bit about uh, healthcare I think just enough to be dangerous uh <laughs> is that uh, um that uh, they uh, uh that the long waits is what really um uh, uh, bothers people uh, uh, more than anything else in fact uh, in New Jersey where uh, I'm I'm normally at there's that uh, one hospital actually put up billboards for waiting time there uh, for their urgent care facility, and I was shocked. It was 99 minutes um, when I walked by the day. Um, but, deal with that. Yes.
3: Yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, look, the, the wait. We, we all know uh, what happens in an emergency room. Um, actually, some of them are actually advertising five, ten-minute waits, but. Uh, you, we all, that's not true. Once you get in there, pretty much they look at you. You go to a triage, and uh, based on the severity of it, you could wait anywhere between you know 45 minutes to uh, eight hours, seven hours. Depends if, if you get there on a Saturday night. Um, again, we think that uh, urgent care is what we, we 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 believe fills in the gap, and our, our busiest times are from. 5 p.m. to 9 to 8 p.m. and then the weekends. And you know we're open 365 days a year, including holidays and and uh, and the, the week. Like I said, the weekends are one of the busiest. Is when the primary care, the pediatricians, they're all not there. Um, and that's when we get the most influx of uh, people coming in. Uh, the other issue is with Obamacare. Um, uh, with, you know, apparently 30 or whatever, 30 million people are going to be insured. A lot of them did not have primary care. Um, did not get, did not have good care, and they would use the emergency room as as their uh, primary care. Um, so they're starting to, to now rolling into the urgent care, and um, we are um, helping them find after they visit us, find a, the right doctors to uh, keep uh, you know maintaining their if they have uh, any other issues.
0: Um, well, you say urgent care, but you really uh, uh, handle the the. Uh, uh, a couple of high fever and things like that. Am I am I right that or am I what are, what are your primary uh, what do your patients primarily come to, to you
3: for? Well, we have anywhere from uh yeah, right fever, uh anywhere from that, any laceration, um fractures. We have an x-ray on site. And again, our doctors are uh and my partners are doctors, are emergency room board certified emergency room physicians. Um so we can see anybody from two years and uh, to you know from to, to seniors um we've had people coming in with uh um uh septic shock we had people coming in with uh heart issues, you know heart problems that we had to get them get an e r get nine call nine one one um and uh so so pretty much you know we can't treat everybody but um as far as most common ailments, most common issues, from, like I said, stitches to lacerate, to stitching to to broke fractures, uh, we can handle that. But I would probably say 50 to 60% are just common colds, uh, any uh, infections or anything like that. Well,
0: uh, you know, they say there's a doctor shortage in this country.
3: How do you find your doctors? Well, uh, doctors—it's not easy. Um, we, you know, emergency room physicians are 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 scarce; they're sort of commodity, especially with the uh, urgent cares popping up. Um, but again, uh, you know, we work um, eight to eight, so the hours are great. They get to—we get to get people get to get to go home with their families. The hours are nicer. The pay is the same. Um, you know, it's a nice environment. They don't need to uh, pretty much handle all the issues that happen and everything that they probably see in the uh, ERs in in the middle of the night and all that some of them have to work uh the graveyard shift so we we do we do tend to get them uh but uh, it's it's definitely not easy there's definitely a shortage in and of of uh, emergency room trained uh physicians but right. well,
0: as a, as a young police reporter i got my first taste taste of emergency rooms and the uh, uh, I always admire the people in it and the, their ability to, to deal with, uh, uh, with crisis after crisis. Uh, but uh, I think the, uh, urgent care is perhaps a misnomer t- t- term. Do you have a different term for what you call your uh, your uh, uh, facility?
3: Well, I mean, yeah, urgent care is loosely used. There's actually some regulations coming uh, in New York especially about um uh, using urgent care. Like what do you treat there? Um, you know, we are we are certified by the Urgent Care Association of America and they they require um um a list of, uh, of you know, you have to meet certain criteria to become one. But uh, people have immediate care, uh people call a walking uh, clinic um this is just pretty much that's that's the standard but um uh, i think that the issue a lot of a lot of the, the consumers are not aware what what is urgent care what can i go you know we'll, and we try to educate them uh online and we actually have uh sometimes we have uh, some some um uh, seminars in our urgent care with we just had the other day a pediatric uh, emergencies uh, we had a whole bunch of uh, moms come in and uh, we just went over why you know why would you go to your ER? Why when to come to the uh, urgent care? When should you just stick with your pediatrician? Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much um, the standard now: urgent, immediate, or walking uh, clinic.
0: Hmm. Well, um, uh, what are the name of your clinics?
3: Uh, so the name our clinics is it's called Cure Urgent Care. C-U-R-E, Cure Urgent Care. Our website is uh, cureurgentcare.com. And uh, the pharmacies are called Quick RX. That's um, uh, the company that uh, we started about uh, 15 years ago. And um, our newest site is going to be so we're actually doing a combo in, uh, in uh, Upper East Side, and 96th and 3rd should be open in about uh, two months, sometime mm. in May.
0: Well, that, uh, since I'm in the New Jersey area, I'm, I'm going to come by to see it when it's open, because I uh, I just find it fascinating. You you If I can sum up if and see if I've heard this correctly, you're saying, in effect, you, you were in the pharmacy industry uh, as a pharmacist, and, and the independent pharmacist remains the most trusted uh, person in America for uh, the last 25 but now what you've done is to uh, take the what providing urgent care or or immediate care for relatively minor and and status right next to it is a uh, a mini drugstore. store. Would that be how you would sum it up?
3: Absolutely. That that's exactly what what we're doing. Um again, that make you know will we'll, makes us stand out. Um concierge, the convenience of walking into one place, and again, it, it's the whole, what I call retail medicine, and you just, just like when you want to walk into a drugstore, when you're not feeling well, you should be able to walk into an urgent care and just see a physician without all the hassle of making an appointment, and so I kind of combined them two together, and um just do the opposite of what the big box CVS and, and Walgreens are doing. Just keep it the pharmacy as the uh, sort of the adjunct on the side.
0: Well, you, uh Eli, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I hope our audience um, learned something new. And, uh, you've jumped off a very interesting uh, cliff, and let's hope that the, there's a swimming pool at
3: the bottom of it. <laughs> yes, thank you. So, thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, right again,
3: my name is that. I'm sorry. Your, your website. Your, your website. Sorry, go. it's uh, it's it's www.cureurgentcare.com.
0: All right. Thank you, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you back sometime
3: soon. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you.
0: Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at That's info at We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.